Dawn and Steve are joined by Phil Herndon, Clinical Director of the River Tree Centre for our second hour with him. Got a question for him? Then call or text 800-555-7898. You know, Phil, when you come in and we talk about all these different issues and struggles that many of us are facing, yeah, I'm wondering, as we think about addiction, as we think about trauma, as we think about so many of these things, I'm wondering how many of those things have unforgiveness Mm-hmm. at the root of them, or at least playing a significant, significant part of how we are, in a sense, coping with our pain and with mm-hmm. our trauma. And so as you think about all the people that you work with and that you counsel, and and, and uh, I'm wondering, how often does this topic of forgiveness have to come up? Is it with everybody? It's a whole lot. <laughs> there are a few, maybe, but everybody's a little bit of a stretch, but not much. It's okay. um, and there's something really tied to that, um, y'all, that, that that sometimes gets overlooked. And it's a huge player in this whole idea of, of forgiveness. And it's a word called resentment. And uh, if we look at, and so once again, we talked earlier the first hour about how Scripture integrates with human life. It's supposed supposed to be an integrative experience, right? We live in the gospel. We're, we're impacted with the gospel. Our lives to be informed by the gospel. And we're human. <laughs> and that's where it gets mm-hmm. dicey, as they say. So this is one of those territories um, that where that happens is like we think about unforgiveness in biblical terms, and so unforgive or forgiveness becomes this biblical concept. It's important to remember under that biblical concept and biblical command is what happens in my humanness. And so resentment is an outgrowth of not talking through, processing through this feeling called hurt well. So unforgiveness finds its human root uh, in I walk, I, I've been hurt relationally. And if you look at the word resent, if you put a hyphen there, it says resent. Mm-hmm. And that's just idea of resending the injury over and over and over again. Like Dawn hurts me relationally. I feel hurt with her. And rather than tell her the truth about it, I just hide and I just resend what she's done over and over and over and over again. And that's where unforgiveness finds its human root. Mm-hmm. Oh, does that not resonate? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that makes so much sense. You may have a comment or a question, 800 555 Eight nine eight. You can text or call that in. Phil Herndon with us as we talk about forgiveness or unforgiveness, and yet Phil, that tape, that that resending of the story, that seems to be like broken. Like you, you mm-hmm. want to hit the stop button so it won't do it anymore, but the knob broke off. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that because think about hurt we've talked about this before i think months ago actually but the the feeling just the emotional experience of being hurt in your brain is just like a physical wound think about the phrases we use when we feel emotional hurt slap in the face stab in the back punch in the gut broke my heart like if if you did any of those physically that would really hurt mm-hmm. and so that part of the brain we talked about last hour that holds the story doesn't know the difference if i'm being verbally assaulted or physically assaulted it just hurts and so when i'm hurt i don't want to be hurt again and so on the emotional side of that, I will use resentment. And maybe if I don't even know I'm using it, we'll call it unforgiveness. I'm using that to not be hurt again. It's back to that idea of protection. I'm going to protect myself. So, yes, it's unforgiveness. And, yes, it's sin for sure. And on the human level, it's so often rooted in I got a wound from you. And so I'm not stupid. I'm going to protect myself from being wounded again. And that's then the enemy makes sure 
that doesn't turn into healthy protection to talk it through with you. It turns into unhealthy or sinful ways of staying away to protect myself through resentment. You know, sometimes the wound is, I think, potentially so grievous that we don't even really know how mm-hmm. to begin to talk about it. To think about getting to forgiveness really, really quickly it can feel disingenuous because if the that wound was so grievous and so big, it can be like, I don't know that I can forgive. Mm-hmm. I know that I should forgive, and maybe one day I will get to forgiveness but Phil, the, the the wound is so deep right now, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do in this moment because just simply saying, well, I forgive, doesn't feel <laughs> safe at all. So uh-huh. when, when the wound has been really big and really grievous, what are some of the first steps that we can begin to think about, put into practice so that maybe one day we do get to forgiveness? Yeah, I'll, you know, we, we humans love formulas, so I've got one for you. Um, here's the formula. First step is to name it, name it for what it is. And we often talk about, I'm mad about it, I'm this about it. And yes, you, you can have more than one feeling at a time. It's perfectly legal. So, <laughs> so yes, anger. But to be able to name like, man, that really hurt. That hurt. Yeah. Because that in and of itself is actually a confession of vulnerability. It's one thing to say, Steve, I'm really mad at you. It's another thing to say, man, I'm really hurt. Those just, they just feel different. To say them, and so to name it, and then to investigate, if you want to call it that, or, or uh, kind of explore, like investigate what is going on here. And so back to 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 me and Dawn, if, if I feel hurt about something, me looking at what all is behind that doesn't excuse what she's done, but the intensity of the hurt may have a lot to do with my story, maybe. But at least to, to ask the questions, where what else is this touching in my life that is so intense to me? And then to give expression or to speak out loud, what we talked about last hour, to speak out loud those words um, to to someone, not in terms of gossip or, you know, the hidden prayer request we've all heard about, you know, <laughs> not in terms of that, but to be able to really talk about hurt uh, for for what it is. So the, the first steps are to go through that little process where it becomes, we're able to name what it really is. And notice I didn't say anything about Dawn in those sentences. It was me. Like, what? what is going on with me? If we can get away from right and wrong, Dawn was wrong and I'm right, and get down to truth and lies. Like, what is the truth really going on in here about that? It prepares me for further conversations. Hmm. So we're thinking about whether or not uh, the truth and the lie is the conversation, not the this is you and mm-hmm. this is me and you wronged me and now I'm going to hold on to this forever. That's right. Truth yeah. and lies. We want to come back and continue to talk about this forgiveness, unforgiveness. You want to be part of the conversation. 800-555-7898. Phil Herndon, Clinical Director of River Tree Center with us today on Moody Radio. We have Phil Herndon, Clinical Director of River Tree Center with us as we talk about forgiveness, unforgiveness. And Phil, you've encouraged us to name what's going on, the situation, the the sin, if you will. Like if somebody has come against you, done something grievous to you, and these things, they have varying degrees. It could be a hurt feelings all the way to abuse, full-on abuse. And Wendy, that's your question today. If your parents have their own wounds and their addicts, and then they abuse the next generation. Is it very possible that the next generation will also turn to addiction and have wounds that mm-hmm. need to be healed? That is a sad question. And the answer is any anyone who honestly doesn't have to be a professional, pastor, therapist, friend, 
answers resoundingly yet sadly yes um, there's a syndrome called ACA syndrome. You can Google that if you're not familiar with it. It's adult children of alcoholism is what it's called. It's a syndrome. I have a, a friend who's a doctor who said syndrome simply means there's a whole lot of things coming from a whole lot of different worlds, and it forms its own thing. That's called a syndrome. And so there are all kinds of things that happen in a home like that that's abusive and or uh, addiction controlled and and the there's a thing called the laundry list that shows the characteristics of children who grow up in those homes when they become adults the last uh character the last um thing on that list is we often become alcoholics or addicts ourselves because that brain and that heart says i will, i need to be protected from this i've grown up with the rituals around addiction and what i know to do to deal with my trauma is that Hmm. Let me go do it because we want that protection and that relationship with that substance or action to be okay. But, okay, you say rituals and how true that is. We've experienced that. I guess that's part of that limbic brain. Your story Mm -hmm. is living in there. Mm -hmm. And yet we've hated it. We see what our parents have done or those that have been around us. And we're like, I will never be like that. And then guess what happens? Uh We become exactly like that. Yes. How do we prevent that? That's one of those things that, you know, we, the examples abound, but that, that's the same concept as people who, physicians who are liver specialists will sometimes drink themselves to death. And, mm-hmm. and physicians who are lung specialists will smoke themselves to death. And it's like, my goodness, what is going on? And that's back to what Steve said at the last hour, like that content is never going to override the story, the trauma, the need for protection. That brain, God says, you know what, I'm going to create your brain. That information from the world goes to that part of your brain called the limbic system twice as fast as it goes to your thinking brain. So thinking brain is always going to be behind and always going to be trying to catch up. And so that, that ability to protect myself or anesthetize these feelings I've had my whole life, that's going to be way bigger. And that gets us back to relationship. How do I diffuse all of that? I name what's happening I investigate my story and I tell, I speak that story to safe people where it gets diffused and I can go from bottom up, which are trauma reactions, lower brain to upper, to top down. I can think about my life differently because things have slowed down out of having this relationship with this friend or therapist or pastor. And so as we walk through that process, if we recognize that unforgiveness is something that we are holding on to because we think that is going to protect us in some way and we don't want to, uh, you know, let go of that until we get to the point where like, okay, maybe I do. Maybe, Maybe it is finally time to begin to walk the road of forgiveness. When we have begun to fall into that thinking pattern um, and we make the decision that we are going to do something different. I know sometimes that can be a real struggle, a real change. So when we have the the feeling, the emotion, <laughs> our pain gets stepped on, we get triggered, whatever phrase you want to use, um, and, and that unforgiveness begins to well up again, but we've made the conscious decision that we want to forgive, is there a way to, in a sense, keep bringing ourselves back to the point of forgiveness? Mm -hmm. Our friend we were talking about earlier named Peter, he said, Lord, are you saying like 
just seven times like this is going to ha- I'm going to have to do this seven times with people. <laughs> Jesus says, oh, no, no, no. It's far more than that. Yeah. Right. So I'm sure Peter's in the math like, gosh, 490. That's a lot. <laughs> Jesus said, that's not the point either. I don't know how I keep track of them it's, all. <laughs> it's going to be repeatedly. And so even Peter's question back to that humanness. Right. Peter's question is how often? Because this is going to keep coming up. Yeah. And so when that happens, if we can move from the framework, not just semantically, not just with the words, but with our thinking being this might be unforgiveness, which puts us into the conceptual world. But this is the hurt coming back up. This is the fear that I'll be hurt again. So if we can deal with our hearts and minds on a human emotional level, that makes scripture come alive in a way that I can actually live it and not just memorize it and then try to do it. Mm. So we often will want, okay, I know I'm in unforgiveness. I got to work hard to forgive. If we just took a step back and said, yes, my unforgiveness is a symptom of hurt coming back up and fear that I'll be hurt again. Let Mm. me deal with it on that level so I can walk into forgiveness. Continue, continually bringing it before the Lord, bringing it before the safe mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. that the Lord has given us community and connection with and continuing to trust him mm-hmm. and working this out in us. Because taking a step back is certainly way different than pushing back into that and just, yeah. as, as we said where I'm from, stirring up stink all over again. <laughs> we have Phil Herndon with us. We're talking about forgiveness and unforgiveness and what we do with that in our lives, in our story, when the Lord has clearly commanded us to forgive. And sometimes that just seems so far away. M- music now from Jason Gray, 800-555-7898 to join the conversation on Don and Steve in the morning. And Phil Herndon is with us. He is the clinical director at River Tree Center, talking about the topic of forgiveness this morning. We've talked uh, quite a bit about you know some of those first steps and and things that we need to be able to do if we want to get to the point of forgiveness. But as Phil, you not only wear your counselor hat but also pastoral hat this mm-hmm. morning. Are we obligated to forgive? I mean, sometimes the wounds that have been committed against us those hurts have been so big and that person in our life who hurt us maybe is a parent or another family member someone who's no longer here Mm -hmm. we are never going to hear Mm -hmm. i'm sorry Mm -hmm. from them and you know they, they can feel completely unresolved and to the point where like man if they're never sorry for what they've done against me do I have to forgive them? Because I even think about God who mm-hmm. says he's going to forgive every sin that is brought to him and that we repent of, but it is unrepentant sinners that he sends to hell. Mm-hmm. So I I think there's a, <laughs> I'm feeling this like theological kind of tension uh-huh. here going on. Yeah. You got about 10 tributaries flying into that, <laughs> that one river. Yeah. And that is, that is a lot. And Every word you've spoken is like anyone, any Christ follower would go, yep, you're saying, you're saying it. And a couple of worlds come, come to bear there. If you think about how God is so invested in the, the prefix R-E, restoration, reconciliation, redemption, repentance, like all these things that do over things. And one of the places, uh, words, is restoration. And so what we fail to realize often when we are having those experiences like, oh, great, well, now I'm never going to get an amends from this person. Mm -hmm. What we can remember is 
lots of what Jesus says, obviously this is not word for word, is like you go to the storehouse for restoration, right, to be restored. Like I need my heart and soul and mind restored in light of this injury or injuries forever. And so I go to a storehouse because every my ability to forgive you or your ability to forgive me is a reflection of his forgiveness. I'm, I'm going to his storehouse either way. So when things end beautifully, like I've wronged you and you forgive me, well, you've still gone to the storehouse that is God. Mm-hmm. Uh, who we, So we're in some ways uh, withdrawing from his bank the ability to forgive anyway and the ability to uh, heal from that. So we can say, yes, this person that was standing between me and the storehouse is no longer here. So I just go directly to the storehouse to withdraw that ability to forgive him or her on his forgiveness. That's the bank. And so often I try to produce something in my own self. It's like, no, the the bank is always going to be where that that emotional forgiveness money comes from. Mm-hmm. That's such a good word. It's a good picture. Isn't it? it is yeah. such a good one. And I keep thinking about how he is our protector. He's our strong tower. The righteous run him mm-hmm. and are saved. And then that very much resonates me though with me about the unforgiveness and the protection. Like I don't want to forgive that person mm-hmm. knowing full well, that person's going to hurt me again. Yes. Like it's in their, their, de- their behavior, their DNA, whatever, you know, that's coming. And so you put up that shield of protection, but it's not God. Mm-hmm. It's your unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. How do we, how do we kind of tap in to recognizing, is that going back to story to give it voice to say, Oh, that's what I'm doing. That's why I can't forgive. Yeah. I'm I'm taking this protection into my own hands. Yes. There's kind of two things in play there too, Don, both very important. One is there's a difference between hurt and harm. There are some people, and it's it's terrible to have to say it, there are some people that that just cause harm. Hmm. They can't do relationship due to maybe their own trauma or their own sin or addiction, whatever the reason may be, but they after con- our very consistent exposing of myself to them, my heart, and getting wounded, 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 that that's called harm. And so that's where we've talked about this before, too, where boundaries come in. And so that word and we've talked about is really important. I can set a boundary with someone and forgive them. Uh, those two things are not incompatible. But often we go, well, if I have forgiven this person that has repeatedly harmed me, then I must be vulnerable again. I have to. It's a but. It's not a but. But I have to expose myself to them again and be heard again. No, I can forgive them. And all forgiveness really says, we've probably all heard this before, is you don't owe me. Now, I may not be a part of your life because it's just too harmful, too traumatic, but you don't owe me anything. I'm going to be here with this boundary between us, and you don't owe me, and I've forgiven because I've gone to the storehouse where forgiveness is housed, made a withdrawal, and given it to you, and now I have to stay here and you stay there. So I think sometimes I hear forgiveness and reconciliation so tied together, mm-hmm. and I'm hearing you say that forgiveness is something that we can choose to do. Is reconciliation obligatory? Do should those have to be tied together, or can we kind of separate those? If you if you think about um, that question in terms of let's say uh, sex trafficking, um, someone's been really exploited by a person kind of running that show. It's like the person who has been trafficked can forgive that person who's running that show, 
and then stay completely away from that person. Like the reconciliation comes me with my own heart and me with God, and I'm unable to reconcile with this other person because it's just too dangerous. So my reconciliation is in the form of forgiveness, not in the form of being in relationship again. I think that right there was really helpful to to hear that because I think sometimes, uh, whether we've intended to or not, that message of forgiveness and reconciliation have been so intimately tied Mm -hmm. together that Mm -hmm. we feel like, well, if I forgive, then I have to reconcile back to the way that the relationship we think should have been. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. so I appreciate that. Maybe you've got a question or comment as you're listening this morning. Feel free to text in. Call in 800-555-7898. That's 800-555-7898. Talking about forgiveness, the challenges that it brings to our lives, the boundaries that are needed. And Terrence, you have a text or a question, Phil, for you about how do you truly know when you've forgiven someone? And I I love this second part of the question and let it go. Mm -hmm. You forgiveness, forgiveness has been extended and you're moving on. Yeah, that's a a common, common question. And that really gets to (laughs) this oxymoron, a heart of sanctification, a heart of discipleship, because we tend to think, okay, I have forgiven him or her. Great. Now we're now we're done. And the enemy is going to make sure, think about the damage done in relationships in the body, because resentment has come back up. Someone says something or does something, a voice inflection, an arching of the eyebrow. It can be anything. The enemy is going to make sure, like, see, he's going to do it again. And point, point, point. And so Terrence's question uh, is a question of ongoing sanctification, ongoing growing in Christ's likeness. Like when it crops back up, then we deal with it again. We go back to the bank, back to the storehouse and say, okay, I need to make another withdrawal of forgiveness, not because I haven't forgiven, but because forgiveness is not a point action. It's a point action with continuation, as the Greek scholars would call it. Like I do it, and then I have to not do it again, but I have to continually be in that mode of I'm a human, I live with humans, and things are going to crop up in my story. Things are going to crop up when they mess up, when I mess up, and I'm going to have to go to the bank again. If nothing else, to remind myself, oh, yeah, this is where I make those withdrawals to continue growing in Christ-likeness and depth of relationship with others or set better boundaries. That's really good. Last uh, moment or two that we have here, there's one last, I think, really big, big question that we've not touched on at all, and that is when we struggle to forgive ourselves. Mm. You know, very often we say, yeah, okay, I I can forgive Mm -hmm. others, but Mm -hmm. I can't forgive what I've done. Mm -hmm. In the last moment that we have, speak to the person who is saying, I hear you, Phil, but (laughs) I can't forgive me. Yeah, man, you talk about an enemy's playground. I'm so glad you asked that. Um, If there's one thing that in terms of this context that people walk into the office more often with, it's that. And it's it's shame. And that's where we sounds like maybe a silly way to say this, but that's where we bring the enemy with us to that bank and say, it's not my job to forgive myself. I didn't produce it. All I can do is 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 get a withdrawal from here. And so I've, I've used in my own life said the enemy shows up and goes, yeah, man, but still like, God, you, you know, who in the world would do that? I go, hey, come with me. And so <laughs> I walk over to that bank. I said, you see like in the movie National Treasure with all that gold in the caverns yep. and it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. I just take him and go, you see all this? This is available to me and all of his children. And so it's not my job uh, to have to produce all of this. It's right here. 
And so we just remind ourselves, you know, in this this temptation for toxic shame, as we call that, that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but you're terrible. You're this, you're that. And that's when we can make that trip to that to that cavern of gold that never ends and say, I, I hear what you're telling me my job is. My job is to produce all of this for myself. It's already here. And I walk in and take this because it's offered to me. Yeah. So, so good and Beautiful. helpful. I, I love that picture of the bank. I don't yes. think I've ever really heard that before. And so that creates such a visual that I think hopefully we can take with us and say, all right, when that unforgiveness mm-hmm. crops up, whether that's, you know, towards ourselves and the shame or towards those who have hurt us, mm-hmm. let's go to the bank. And I uh, hope that uh, this, today's conversation has been helpful to you. Phil Herndon is the clinical director at River Tree, and we want to connect you uh, with him. So if you ever you know want to get connected, feel free to ask about that. You can also go directly to RiverTreeCenter.com, and uh, there's more information there about ways that you can connect. But Phil, so appreciate you coming in, helping us have these conversations, on these big heart issues this morning.